வெல்கம் டு அவர் பாட்காஸ்ட் சேனல் எஃப்சி பயோடெக்ஸ் டீன் டாக் அண்ட் இனிஷியேட் டேக்கன் பை த செகண்ட் இயர் ஸ்டூடெண்ட்ஸ் ஆஃப் டிபார்ட்மெண்ட் ஆஃப் பயோடெக்னாலஜி ஆஃப் ஃபர்கிசன் காலேஜ் ஐ ஆம் யோர் ஹோஸ்ட் அகாங்ஷா மஹாஜன் அண்ட் ஜாயினிங் மீ யோ இன் த ஸ்டூடியோ டுடே இஸ் அ வெரி குட் ஃப்ரெண்ட் ஆஃப் மைண்ட் சேஜல் ராஸ்கர் ஹலோ எவ்ரி In today's episode, we'll be talking about a great scientist, James Davy Watson. He's an American molecular biologist, a geneticist, and a zoologist, and is well known for his work on the double helix structure of DNA. His journey explains how he and his colleagues, Franz Crick and Morris Wilkins of King's College, London, explained the double helix structure of DNA. For this discovery, the trio earned the Nobel Prize in Medicine in 1962. So now let's talk to Sejal and see what she has for us. Oh yes, I explored a lot. It was fun and knowledgeable. Watson seriously is an inordinate scientist. This great person was born on 6th April 1928 in Chicago and was a Catholic by religion but often is found quoting the luckiest thing that ever happened to me was that my father didn't believe in god so he is an atheist most scientists are i guess i remember reading from his nobel prize biography that he grew up on the southern side of chicago mm. I guess in a school named Hornsman Grammar School and completed a secondary education in South Shore High School isn't it That's absolutely correct Well do you know that bird watching fascinated Watson and later he developed it as a hobby so and considered doing his further studies in ornithology but in 1946 he changed his professional ambitions from the study of ornithology to genetics when he was awarded a scholarship he earned his bs degree in zoology from the university of chicago in 1947 and left the university of chicago to become a graduate student at indiana university at bloomington indiana university was attracted by the presence at bloomington of the 1946 nobel prize winner Hermann Joseph Muller he received his phd degree from the indiana university in 1950 salvador luria was his doctoral advisor and yes the one who gave us the luria broth that we so often use in the lab watson was awarded a scholarship to indiana university where he received his doctorate in 1950 for his work on the effects of x-ray radiation on replication of bacteriophage viruses watson then completed his postdoctoral year at the university of copenhagen with hermann kalker and ole mallow is it and i believe then watson went to work at the university of cambridge cambridge laboratory in england that's where he met franz crick and the two young researchers recreated history Then from 1956 to 1976 Watson was on the faculty of the Harvard University Biology Department promoting research in molecular biology very inspiring isn't it Absolutely it indeed is he also served as a director in Cold Spring Harbor Laboratory where he greatly expanded the level of funding and research later on in Cold Spring Harbor Laboratory He shifted his research emphasis to the study of cancer 
and made it a world leading research center in molecular biology it is also said that during that time there was an intense race and competition to discover the structure of the dna is it true yes well it was definitely a rat race there were three groups who were working to find out the structure of dna first group was of roslin franklin and morris wilkins who worked under john randall at king's college in london the second group was of watson and francis crick at university of cambridge and the third group was of linus pauling who determined the alpha helix structure of proteins at caltech california usa watson was interested in finding the structure of dna but the king's college people didn't want him later on watson approached sir lawrence bragg to join the cavendish laboratory at university of cambridge where francis crick was already present and was working on his phd project in the medical research council unit at cambridge all watson wanted to discuss about was the structure of dna and so did his partner francis crick who was a british molecular biologist biophysicist and neuroscientist because it seemed to be the most important molecule as it carried the instructions needed for an organism to develop survive and reproduce though they came from different academic background and were quite clueless of each other but had an aim to find the structure of dna and due to their ambition in this crazy race for the double helix some might find watson as a hero and some might find him the villain because of the disagreements they had with roslin franklin and many other researchers as written by himself in his book the double helix you mentioned rosalind franklin and she's been a woman of controversy over his career has she not been what is your impression about her role in this story of finding the structure of the mighty dna because in the book the double helix that you mentioned watson portrayed franklin in a very negative way giving the impression that she was a mere assistant to wilkins and was unable to interpret her own dna data do you think she was a negative influence well i would not say that at all rather she is the one who produced some you know excellent x-ray diffraction data i think watson's accusation was weak since it was actually franklin who told watson and creek that helix backbones had to be on the outside oh so you're talking about the famous photograph 51 of the double helix structure of dna yes morris wilkins had definitely produced dna x-ray data earlier but it was of quite bad resolution rosland Though came later in the scene she was studying about the crystalline form of dna and then took this wonderful photograph called the photograph 51 that's the x-ray diffraction image which watson and creek very brilliantly and rightly interpreted that's how he got to know the double helical nature of dna you all should read the letter in which francis creek told his son aged 12 then about the dna's double helix structure the letter is written few weeks before they revealed the structure to the world how fascinating is this 
Oh, I definitely will read the letter and the book, the double helix. I remember our professor also telling us that not only did Watson discover the double helix structure, but also solved the base pairing puzzle. And that's how we got that adenine binds to thymine and guanine binds to cytosine. But I wonder how he did this. Oh yes, looking at the photograph 51, they realize that the structure of DNA is a double helix structure. Later on, Watson took help of Chargoff's rule, which states that the DNA from any cell of any organism should have a 1 is to 1 stoichiometric ratio of pyrimidine and purine bases and more specifically that the amount of guanine should be equal to cytosine and the amount of adenine should be equal to thymine. And yes, this ratio was found out way before the double helix structure was found about. But no one had made the connection that this meant that DNA structure would rely on complementary base pairing, nor that this was necessary to explain how the DNA replicated. Chargaff personally communicated his discovery, dubbed Chargaff's rule, to Watson. But unfortunately, the mystery couldn't be solved initially because he didn't realize the fact that they are equal because they lie in front of each other. Oh, I just can't imagine the rush and the struggle. And while working on the structure of DNA, he was also very active in the research related to various other fields. As far as I know, he used a rotating anode X-ray to demonstrate the helical structure of the tobacco mosaic virus. Isn't it? Oh yes, he also worked with scientists at the California Institute of Technology to build a plausible model of RNA structure. And then, later on, he again worked with Crick on discovering the principles of virus construction. In 1952, Watson determined the structure of protein code surrounding the tobacco mosaic virus. From 1988 to 1992, Watson helped to establish and direct the Human Genome Project at the National Institutes of Health, where he oversaw the mapping of genes in human chromosomes. I have also heard that his own genome was sequenced in 2007, making him the second person who had done this. Is it so? Yes, that's absolutely right. But in all this hard work, do you know he made a number of controversial comments? Oh, I did not know about this. I just know about the Photograph 51 controversy. In his book, The Double Helix, he also described Franklin's appearance as unfavorable and tried to explain that she did not emphasize her feminine qualities. He had questioned her intelligence and speculated that she may have had Asperger's syndrome. I suspect that in the beginning, Maurice hoped that Rosalind Franklin would calm down. Yet, Mare inspection suggested that she would not easily bend. By choice, she did not emphasize her feminine qualities. It was an era when women regarded inferior to men. And just like Wilkins, Watson too was pretty dismissive of her. Quoting him talking about her, Clearly, Rosie had to go or be put in her place. Unfortunately, Morris could not see any decent way to give Rosie the boot. Also, Watson hated to be told by a woman to refrain from venturing an opinion about a subject for which you were not trained. Oh, wow! 
Was Watson involved in any other controversial talks? Oh yes. One of the controversies came when Watson told an interviewer from the Sunday Times in 2007 that he was inherently gloomy about the prospect of Africa because all their social policies were based on the fact that their intelligence is the same as the others where all the testing says not really he had also added to it that while he would like everyone to be equal people who have to deal with black employees found that it is not the truth these remarks were universally derided as based on incredibly shaky scientific foundations which led to a forced retirement of watson from his chancellor role at cold spring harbor laboratory yep those are some potent discriminatory statements though yes there is one more controversy that i read about it took place when watson in one of his lectures said that thinner people were more ambitious watson commented on the non existent link between sun exposure and the sexual aspect as well oh gosh how did you feel while working on this topic initially i thought it would be uninteresting but as things progressed i found it very fascinating to work on this piece it also inspired me a lot i think just like how the dna has a positive and a negative strand every person has his good and his not so good i also realized that a dream does not become reality through magic but it takes sweat determination and hard work very true sejal watson has definitely inspired us and through this podcast we tried to peek into watson the scientist as well as watson the person in my opinion we as students of science who have just recently set our foot into this amazing world of research discoveries and relentless quest for the unknown we should choose to be inspired only by the science and the scientists watson struggled a lot and proved that nothing is impossible all we need to do is to have perseverance be calm be resourceful and alert and the universe will surely pay for our efforts after reading and listening to the amount of dedication watson had towards discovering the structure of dna i am convinced that it was surely a mad pursuit Thank you for tuning in to FC Biotech's Teen Talk. In the next episode, we'll get to you Francis Harry Crompton Crick or maybe talk about the unsung hero who played an important role in discovering the structure of DNA. So stay tuned.